0: This will be part two of the the previous podcast titled Living and Making Music in the USA, or maybe it was Making Music and Living in the USA. Um, And the reason why I decided to do a second part is twofold. First of all, I feel that I was a little misleading to some degree, or not to say disingenuous, but I think I focused a little too much on the living aspect and not so much on the music part of it. And I feel as I do host (laughs) this podcast called the Music Mentor Podcast, I should focus a little bit more on music. So that's one reason. And the other reason is because I got several emails um, and texts from people that wanted me to expand upon a few things. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. So the first question that I got was why the USA and why LA eventually? So I somewhat mentioned this in the previous episode, but the reason why I picked the USA wasn't because of quality of life or the American dream or the weather, especially not the weather because I moved to Boston, but it had... Everything to do, absolutely everything to do with what musicians I wanted and dreamt of playing with. And I must admit, things have changed in my life. At some point, you know, I started with the dreams of playing in Megadeth and Guns N' Roses. And then eventually when I went to school, which was a jazz school, I thought that I had to play that kind of music or that the only real true validation for my musicality had to do with executing the instrument well and being good and knowing how to improvise and all this stuff that is good, but it's not necessarily what my definition of happiness and success was or or brought with it. Um, And beyond that later, or beyond that point of my my life, I sort of went back to the dreams of, of playing with my idols and people that I admired because I saw that it was possible. And it was just almost like simple math or or a simple equation like, okay, where do I want to be? Or what kind of musicians do I want to play with? Where do they live? Oh, they all live in America. So I chose America. Or I chose to stay and remain in America after I I had decided to move for college. And I loved Boston. Boston will always be my my second home. I, I consider myself half Bostonian. And for numerous reasons, not only because I'm a big lover of my time there, but my family lived there and so on and so forth. And and I love the city. And it taught me a lot about myself. And it has very, very beautiful memories in my life. So it was very, very difficult for me to leave Boston. And the reason, the main reason why I left was because I felt that I had hit a ceiling and I had a dream gig at the time oh my god this was so long ago but I was playing even though it was very very sporadically I was playing with Gary Sharon, the singer of extreme who was my favorite singer growing up pornography was my first record so it was a dream come true for me to be playing with him and it was enough for me to put up with the winter and all the bs that was my life in Boston at the time and how difficult it was to get work and so on and so forth. So I had decided to stay there. I was working a lot with my friend Leo and Steve in their in their studio back in the day. So it was a combination of things, but I knew that my time and my my worth as a musician could have been appreciated differently. And not that I needed appreciation. I guess I needed to know that I was more active and I was working more. And after one night having dinner with, with Gary, I asked him, I flat out asked him like, hey, man, I really love working with you, but I want to do more of this stuff with more musicians like you. What advice do you have? This was in mid late November, actually. And he said, dude, you got to move to L.A. That's the way to go. And I went home and I called my parents and. A week ago, 11 years ago, I moved to L.A. and I had never looked back. And it's been the best decision because this is a hub of the kind of music that I like. So at some point, I thought about moving to New York. And because I was into jazz, I was into Latin jazz and salsa and timba and all this other stuff. And it was one of the meccas of that kind of music. But the quality of life was different. Rent was so expensive. I wasn't too fond of traveling on the train. And the thought about carrying my congas and timbales or drums or whatever on the train was the worst thing you could ever suggest to me and uh the weather didn't even cross my mind and I started doing some research about what I it is that I wanted and why I wanted certain things and I decided to move to LA basically to pursue new opportunities in general in the music business I have morphed throughout time I started wanting to do the singer songwriter stuff on percussion which worked for a while and this city seems to be very quick to pigeonhole you and you almost like you're, like the law of attraction really works you start getting a lot of the work that you sort of put out the, your energy towards so I started doing a lot of that then I started doing a lot of more of the pop percussion side of things and then I kind of went back to drumming and I really focused on my drumming and that eventually I've got a gig in a rock gig and it was my dream gig after working with Gary it was a dream gig and all of a sudden, I get a phone call from, from the music director from, from the Jonas Brothers telling me that they would want to audition me and all this other stuff, and my life changed. So I was petrified. I was mortified. There I was playing my dream gig with my favorite guitar player in the history of music, an amazing person and human and, and mentor, and I was put in a situation where I was offered all these other things and that I knew that was like a world that I wanted to explore. So eventually I had to sort of step towards the dark side or what I thought was the dark side. And that's most of the work I've been doing or I have done the past you know, seven years or so has been in the pop world. So I didn't audition necessarily and I didn't put, out, put myself out there to pursue a career in pop music. I was prepared at the right time, at the right place and I was willing to go there. So that's one thing I was willing to go there. So some people aren't and they never do. Um, some people eventually go towards pop music because they want the money and because they want the lifestyle change only and not because of the music itself. And I'm not trying to pat myself in the back, but I always love pop. I At some point I wanted to play for NSYNC or Britney Spears. So that opportunity was, was something that I welcomed with arms wide open, even though it was difficult, but I actually did it. So the doors opened up and the pop world, is, is it is a very, very uh, small world. And you start noticing the same crew, the same people, the same production managers, the same tour managers, the same guitar techs, and so on and so forth. So I encourage you, when you do get a pop gig, try to be friends with crew. And you've heard me talk about this before, but crew, management, not only musicians in musicians, Not only because you want people like that in your life that are hardworking, that are consistent, they're solid people, but they have the connections that you might need to get other gigs within that world. And the world is fantastic. The pop world is phenomenal. And I've always had great experiences in other sides of my life. I've been very fortunate. But you hear horror stories a lot in the rock world. And I've never had to deal with any of that, not only in the rock world, but in the pop world. It's very, very... Um, reliable, or in my experience, I've, I've heard horror stories everywhere, but it's been great, the money is good, the the traveling situation is phenomenal, and so on and so forth, and it's really, really cool, so I encourage you also to, more than anything, to do the the work, and be the best that you can be in every sense of the word, be professional, because your reputation is what eventually can get you gigs more than your talent. And you've heard this so many times, not only from me, but in general. Um, But it's very, very important. And I guess I'll end with something that is, to me, is important, which is there's a very, almost like arrogant way of a lot of people, musicians, and this is me, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but that they look at gigs as... a stepping stone they're always thinking of like okay what can i do for myself next and i think it's that's not the greatest most beautiful approach to life um i compare it to sports you know like you know imagine you get signed by a the team and 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 all you're looking at is just how am i going to make more money in the next you know the next team and all this other stuff. And I understand bettering yourself and bettering your quality of life and all that other stuff. But I think that we lose focus of, of where we're at in the present tense. And by that token or by that same sort of Avenue, we lose a sense of gratitude and where we are. So I encourage you to to stay present and value the gig that you have and respect the artists that you're working with and respect the fans of the artists. That's a huge thing. They are not necessarily our fans, right? And we need to understand that we are out there for them because of them, uh, because of the artists and because of the fans of the artist. So we need to respect them. We need to be cordial. We need to be nice and always look out for what we're doing and saying in social media and so on and so forth. And just respect people. And when you play a gig, try to make it So that you, the people in the audience, become fans of the artists that you're working with and not fans of you and give them your business card and stuff like that. I just think that music is much more about the artistry of it and the love of it and and the communal side of it much more than just networks to get money and get another gig, which happens to be a, a big part of the pop world as well. Thank you so much for listening. This was the Music Mentor Podcast.